very good. Um, so tomorrow night is Yom Kippur, so we're really getting this uh, shiur in under the wire. But I think that it's it's important because, uh, as you will see, that this is what we're going to be speaking about tonight is, for all intents and purposes, Yom Kippur. Everything else is is uh, added onto that, right? Everything else that we will speak about, essentially, uh, everything other than what we will speak about tonight, for all intents and purposes, is 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 layered onto Kippur. But what we're going to deal with tonight is at the crux. What is that? That's that. Is at the crux of Yom Kippur. And that specifically is what we call in uh, in Hebrew vidui. Um, and so what I'd like to look at with you uh, for the Chabura, I've given this shiur in some form or another many, many times before, but this is for the Chabura, so it's a special one, right? Special, special Chabura presentation of this shiur. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at how Harambam presents this particular mitzvah of Kippur. And uh, with some insights, some of it will be insights that I'm suggesting, uh, but uh, for all intents and purposes, we're going to be looking at the, the text itself. I'm going to remind everyone, please, to mute so that uh, we don't distract uh, from proceedings. Okay. Vidui. Before we actually look at the... This is the specifics. Spotlight. Yeah, but then can we just you can you can leave it. Yeah. All right. What we're going to talk about first is what is vidui? What is vidui? Right. So vidui, uh, it's it's related to the word toda, to the word mode, even the word vadai, and what it essentially means is that we are when we are mode something, or we say toda to something, it is essentially an acknowledgement. Right? I acknowledge the reality. So in the modern Hebrew vernacular, toda is really a statement of, I acknowledge that you have done something for me. I acknowledge that something has been given to me. Uh, in English, we might say much obliged in old, you know, in an older, more more sophisticated way, and that's really what toda means. That I acknowledge the fact that you have given me something. In one word, that's essentially what is that we're saying, toda. When I mode something, I'm not just agreeing; I am acknowledging a reality. And so here too, with regards to vidui, what uh, I am doing is I am acknowledging a reality regarding something that I've done. And there's a pasuk in the Torah that, that gives us this concept. Now we're going to see that not every vidui is the same. There is a special vidui for Yom Kippur. And we're going to look at the differences between, uh, you know, the vidui. Interestingly, there's a vidui that Harambam literally builds the entirety of Hilchot Teshuvah. Yeah, that's not the vidui of Yom Kippur, but we're going to look at both. We're going to compare and contrast them. Um, and the other thing is, is that we are doing vidui for what? We're doing vidui for what we call chet in Hebrew. So I, you know, the the uh, the, the flyer that that Sina insisted we make for for the shiur, and he always insists that we have a name for the class, which God bless him, of course he would. Why wouldn't he? Uh, so I said confession or speaking our sins. Yeah. Um, and I hate the term confession and I hate the term sins because it just sounds extremely not Jewish. 
right? It probably sounds very Christian, actually. And they have very different connotations in Christianity than they do in Judaism. So I don't want to use those terms if I don't have to. I'm going to use the Hebrew terms of vidui chet, right? Vidui chet essentially is an, a verbal articulation of chet. The question is, what's chet? I don't like the word sin. The word chet literally means to miss the mark. That's what the word literally means. Uh, or I misstep, right? So there's a target, there is a path, there is something that I'm aiming towards and I miss it. Yeah, I, I, I lose. Now, it's not the only word that we use for transgression or, or sin, right, in, in Hebrew. There's a lot of words for it. There's avon, there's avera, there's pesha, and there's chet. If you look at the liturgy of Yom Kippur, without question, the most prevalent, predominant, word for transgression that we use is chet. Which means that it's, a very, it's, it's very specific about what kind of transgressions we're looking at on Yom Kippur. It's not to say Yom Kippur only deals with one kind, but the milieu of the day, right? The, the, the ambiance, the, the nature of the day is very much chet-oriented. Yeah? It's chet-oriented. So what is chet? I said it's missing mark. And we have examples of that in the Torah in where it's really used that way. My favorite example, which I always bring, is the example of the tribe of Binyamin. It says in the Navi that the tribe of Binyamin were known to be expert marksmen. They were, they were expert snipers. Uh, it says, it, it's interesting because they were predominantly also left-handed, which I always find interesting about Binyamin, right? Binyamin is my right hand, right? Yaakov is talking about Binyamini, the son of my right hand. And for all of them to be left-handed is ironic. I have ideas around that, uh, which I taught years ago in my classes on Navi, but we're not going to get into that tonight. Um, but it certainly begs the question, doesn't it? What it says about the tribe of Binyamin in terms of their marksmanship is that it says, Kol echad kolea el hasara. Every one of them was so good that they could aim at the hair on a person's head. Ve'en mahati. Mahati is the same word as chet, right? They wouldn't veer. They wouldn't veer. They wouldn't miss the mark. They would be able to aim and hit it every time. So that's how we know, one of the ways that we know the source of, of the, the word. Another is a, a beautiful one in which um, King David is dying. Right? He's getting very old. And he has promised his one of his wives, Bathsheba, who's the mother of Solomon, who's the mother of King Solomon, later to be King Solomon, that her son would be king. He would take the throne after him. He was quite young. Right? He was only 12 years old when this was going on. Another son of David was trying to usurp the throne. And David was quite removed from the goings-on of the kingdom at, towards the end of his life. And so Natan, the prophet, and Sheva, his wife, rush into his chambers. And Bathsheba says to him, if you do not do something about this right now, I and my son Solomon will be hataim, again, it's that word, hey, all of the days, all of our days. It doesn't mean, she's not saying we'll be sinning, because that would be hot'im, right? She says hataim. Hata'im means we will be out. And there will be a different king on, on the throne, and he will hold court 
and we will not be invited to court. We will not be considered part of the royal family, and your son Solomon will be pushed out. So that's Het. Het is out of bounds, off the mark, missed step, yes? All right. So that, what does that mean? It means that something needs to be rectified because it's, been, it's missed its point, right? So what do you do? I mean, this is important in terms of guilt and shame around Het, because a lot of times people miss the mark and then they just collapse, right? Or they wallow in shame over having missed the mark, which is clearly not the way to go. You miss the mark, you pick up another arrow and you shoot again. Yeah, clearly. That's the point. You get in there. And that's very, very important because all Kippur is, is a provision for, I don't, when I say all it is, I don't mean that it's, that it's all it is. I mean, the, the entirety of Kippur is set up for provision to address the fact that you missed the mark. Now, the issue is on Yom Kippur, can you, and it's the first and most fundamental issue, which is clear, can you acknowledge that you shot and missed the mark? If you cannot acknowledge that you shot and missed the mark, there's nothing to talk about, clearly. Right? Now, we're going to come back to that, but that's the intro for what it is that we need to deal with. And what are the implications of that? Right? What are the implications of either acknowledging or not acknowledging that I've, that I've missed the mark? Yeah. So what I want to do first is I want to look at um, a few elements of Harambah. Okay, so you're going to travel with me here. Okay, so what I'm about to read with you may not be what you're expecting me to read with you. Not that you're expecting anything in particular, but it might throw you off the mark a bit. Right? So let's hold with me. Travel with me. I'm going to bring you right to where it is that we need to go. So let's have a look here. What we're going to look at first is the very opening of Hilchot Teshubah. Okay. Interestingly, Harambam literally builds the entirety of the laws of Teshubah on this one mitzvah. And the mitzvah is not teshuvah, because according to Arambam, teshuvah itself is not a mitzvah. I can't command that. Right? You either do it or you don't do it. Once you do it, there are things that you might have requirement to do. And one of the things that a person has to do once teshuvah is achieved is vidui. Right? So we're going to look at that specifically. We're going to look at vidui in terms of teshuvah itself, having nothing to do with Yom Kippur necessarily. Right? This is its own mitzvah as it stands by itself, but it's circumstantial. The mitzvah vidui is circumstantial on teshuvah having been achieved. So let's have a look. Harambam says, uh, Rav Sina, where is Rav Sina? Is he around? No, just, just I, I need him to uh, admit people from the waiting room. If he's around. Kol mitzvot shebatorah. So we're going to pick this apart a bit, right? It's very, very strange. I just need somebody to keep letting people into the... Yeah. Okay. So Arambam says he, he, this, this, the syntax, the structure of this sentence is extremely strange. 
because he starts it in a roundabout way. Right? He opens up saying, all the mitzvot of the Torah. If a person transgressed, literally transgressed, avar means to cross, right? So you transgress means you cross over. So you think, well, it's Hebrew. Hebrew is always backwards. Not in this case. It would be much more appropriate to say, Adam, she'avar al-kol mitzvot Perfectly appropriate to say that in Hebrew. If a person transgressed, anyone who's not, but he doesn't do that. He's doing it backwards, right? And he's making the object of the sentence, the mitzvot, not the human being, which is extremely important. He says, kol mitzvot Torah. Boom. There's mitzvot, right? Ben aseh, ben Whatever type of mitzvah it is, whether it's a positive commandment, a negative commandment, im avar adam If a person transgressed one of them. So what has Harambam done over here? He has set the mitzvot as these realities that are extant. And he has said, there are mitzvot. If a human being crossed one of them, we have to address it. So notice he's not saying it the other way around. He's not saying, oh, human being, because what would we need to deal with if that were the case? And we say, okay, well, the human being has done something. We have to address the human being. And what Harambam is saying over here is we're not looking at the human being directly. We're looking at the human being, in this particular case, ancillary. To what? To the mitzvot that have been transgressed, that require addressal. Now, what does that person need to do? When he does the actions of Teshubah and finally Yashuv Mehet'o, and finally comes to a state in which he's returned to where he has veered because he's engaged in some kind of missing of, of his steps, right? When he does return, when he finally is in a state of return, Hayav Vadot, he must speak out and affirm before God. Notice the words over here. These are very important. Because Why am I reading this with you now? Because I want to contrast it to the Yom Kippur Vidui, which this is not, right? This is Lifne Ha'el. You have to do this before God, right? Shene'emar, how do I know? There's a pasuk that says, A man or woman who does any one of the hatot, right? And it doesn't say that over here because they're not quoting the full pasuk, but that's the pasuk. Who missteps on any one of the they have to speak out they're missing of the mark. They have to acknowledge that they've missed the mark. How do they do this? Before God. This is the verbal articulation and that verbal articulation that is circumstantially based, right? It is only obligated once a person has returned in Teshuvah. They have to stand before God and they have to do this verbal articulation. Okay? Now the Rambam says, now how do you do this? How is this verbal articulation meant to be done? Well, there's a formula. There's a basic formula for it. The formula is, Ana Hashem. You must say, Ana Hashem. Why? Because it has to be Lifnehael. Which means you have to request audience with God. And so you have to bid God to pay attention to you. And so you open, Anna Hashem. 
What do you say to Hashem? Right? Hatati. I've missed the mark. Aviti. I've corrupted. Pashati. I've rebelled. Which are three very different levels of transgression. Right? Missing the mark is not rebellion. So there's a very interesting in, issue over here, which we're not going to get into in tonight's show. Why do I say all three? No matter what I've done, right? He says, whatever it is, whether you did it on purpose, you did it by accident, you didn't know, you did know, you were premeditated, not premeditated. Whatever it is, you trampled a mitzvah, you must Mute, please. You trampled a mitzvah, you must address it. Right? And that's, that's one of the reasons why this has really very little to do with the person's intent at this point. It has to do with a damaged mitzvah. So why you broke the window? A number of reasons why you broke the window. Malice, mistake, playing around, not paying attention, whatever it is. There's all different levels and all different reasons. Right now, we're not concerned about that. We're only concerned about the fact that the window's broken. window's broken, you have to fix it. And one of the modes of fixing is vidui. How do I know that? Because the word for fixing, right, the sophisticated word for fixing in Hebrew in this context is kapara. Kapara has nothing to do with forgiveness. Kapara is atonement, right? It's bringing things to be one again. That's what atonement is. It's at one with you, right? So it's making things whole again. Things that are broken or damaged need to be made whole again. The mitzvot have been damaged. One of the ways that they need to be made whole again is this bidui. So it's very counterintuitive because I think if it's something that I need to do, then it always has to do with me. It's true that this doesn't have to do with me, but it has to do with personal damage incurred as a result of having done this, you know, gone off the beaten path. So I have to speak to God, and I have to say to God that I have rebelled, which is interesting, and I have to say what I did. And not only do I have to say what I did, I have to say I am nihant yuboshti. I have regret and I have guilt over the fact, meaning I recognize that I'm the culprit. Yeah, and what I did. And not only that, I have to say I'm never going to do it again. Right? The only way that you can say I'm never going to do it again is if you know that you have achieved full-fledged teshuvah. Which means that your whole wiring has shifted in your brain. You see the reality completely differently. So you, it's not an issue for you anymore. But this is not Yom Kippur. We're nowhere near this Yom Kippur. But that's what this is. Okay, notice that he says, Zehu Vikaro Shel What he just said, all of the whole formula, and the Hashem, Hatati Abiti Pashati, I did this and this, I'm never going to do it again. That whole thing, that's Ikaro Shel that is the crux of this mitzvah we do it. Anything beyond that, how does it mishubach? Anything beyond that, beautiful. Okay? Good. So now let's take a look at the Yom Kippur situation. Okay? Notice over here, I just want to point you before we go up to, to Yom Kippur. He says about the vidui, he says, Ken uh, over here. He says, V'chen ba'aleh hata'ot va'ashamot. He says, not only that, people that have to bring korbanot, let's say a person was mehalel Shabbat, a person transgressed Shabbat. According to law, if they transgress Shabbat, either because they didn't realize it was Shabbat, or they didn't know that this particular thing was prohibited on Shabbat, and they went ahead and transgressed, 
they are required to bring a hatat kubuah. They have to bring a korban hatat, which is an offering. Right? It's a hatat offering. Still, you're required to do that. That doesn't change with the Beit Hamikdash not being here. We're all required if this is what we've done. We still have requirements. We just don't have the facilities to be able to do it. We still have a requirement to do it. Now, when you do bring your korban on the Hilul Shabbat, which is supposed to fix the Hilul Shabbat, however it is that it manifests in the world, they also have to do the vidui. And if you don't do the vidui, interestingly, it says, "En mitkaper lahem bekorbanam." The korban doesn't help them in their kapara, not their slicha and mechila, but their kapara, without the vidui. This entire perek deals with the concept of kapara, deals with the concept of atonement, the concept of at one, concept of making whole that which was broken. And there are various components that are not whole or that are broken. There's personal components. There's existential components. There's all different things, right? But basically, these are damages of mitzvot that have to be addressed. So in the opening, the rectification of the damaged mitzvah occurs on whatever level by my acknowledgement of its damage and that I was the agent of that damage and that I will not damage it again. I've learned. So now let's go to second chapter. Second chapter doesn't talk about kapara. Second chapter talks about something else. It talks about mechilan slicha. Mechilan slicha means forgiveness. And forgiveness has to do with a damaged relationship. Not damaged entities. Right? Yeah. Any case. This window doesn't like Okay. Let's read this halakha. Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippurim. Huzman teshuvah lakol. Now Harambam is talking to us about Yom Kippur. Rabbam spoke about Yom Kippur in the first parak from the perspective of Kapara, which we did not read together. Now he brings up Yom Kippur again. And he talks about Yom Kippur from a different perspective. Yom Kippur from the perspective of Slichan Mechila. And he says the following about Yom Kippur. I've given many shiurim about the differences between the two, but that's not what we're focusing on tonight, but you can listen if you have that situation. Yom Kippurim Uzman Tishubah Lakol Yom Kippur is a time of Teshuvah for everyone. Individuals and groups of people, meaning communities or aggregates of people in whatever way. Ketz means it is the ultimate. It is the end. It is the ultimate time of forgiveness. That's what Mechila and Slicha mean. Mechila is absolving, right? Slicha is forgiving, pardoning. It is the ultimate time for forgiving and pardoning for the people of Israel, right? For the Jewish people. What does it mean? It's ketz. 
Kitz means that there has to be a pre to that, right? There is a, it's the end of the road. Right? We are on the road now. Right? We're coming close to the end. Which is why there's a certain sense of urgency in Yom Kippur. As you will see, that the Achamim institute this, this, this very clear sense of dealing with the urgency. Right? How we should address that urgency. But it's urgent because we know that it's not always available. And that the availability from God with us, vis-a-vis his relationship to us, of pardoning and forgiveness, is not quotidian. It's not daily. It's not always. It's not ubiquitous. It is, it, there is a time that is uniquely primed for the addressal of damaged relationship between God and Israel. And that has everything to do with Mechilan Slicha, not so much to do with Kapara. Kapara again has to do with atonement, right? It has to do with rectifying damage, but on a more existential level in the sense of what has happened to me and my being as a result of my transgression. Yom Kippur provides Kapara to me and my person as a result of whatever it is that has occurred to me by being the agent of transgression. The day itself provides a kapa. I'll, I'll show it to you right now, just so that you see the difference. This is the first period, right? At this time, She'en Bet HaMikdash Kayam, we do not have a Bet HaMikdash, which means that all of the kaparav, the Bet HaMikdash, and everything in it, the Korbanot, and the Malkut, and the Sanhedrin, all of it, right, is gone. Being that it's gone, it means we don't have it. There's no replacement for it. People misread this halakha. And they think that what Rambam is saying is, Bizman she'en bet ha-mikdash kayam, we do not have an altar that can bring us kapara with the korbanot, en sham ela teshuvah, all we've got is teshuvah. That doesn't mean that teshuvah takes the place of the korbanot and the bet ha-mikdash and the mizbah kapara. It's saying, en sham ela. All we've got left is teshuvah. Teshuvah mechaperet al kol averot. Teshuvah brings atonement to all transgressions. Oh, if it brings tra- atonement to all transgressions, then obviously it has replaced. Ah, but remember, there are levels of atonement because there are levels of damage. And the damage that korbanot address cannot be addressed when you don't have a korban. It's gone. Everything that is lost with the Beit HaMikdash is gone. That's why there's a, there's a story in the Gemara of Ishmael that says that he was one Friday night, he was reading by the oil lamp, which you're not supposed to do. Why? You're not allowed to read by the oil lamp. Because you may tilt the, the, the oil lamp and bring the oil closer to the flame so it burns brighter. And that is an Yisur Torah of Havara, of, of, of burning, right? Of enhancing the flame. So the Hakamim say, don't read by an oil lamp. Because you may end up pulling right? So he thought, okay, I mean, no, this was early. It wasn't established as a firm Gezerah yet. And he sat by the oil lamp and he tilted it without realizing. And he said, wow, how... How great the hachamim are that they suggest these things. Now they're not more, more than suggestion, but you know, you realize everybody thinks, not, I'm not going to do that. 
right? What did he do? After Shabbat, he wrote in his, he used to keep a notebook. And he said, I have a chiyuv to bring korban hatat to do Shabbat. Why would he do that? If there's no bit amigdash until Shabbat takes the place? Obviously, it doesn't take the place. And obviously, yes, we still have all of the hayyubim that are required. All Haramban is saying is, is that whatever level of damage that Teshuvah takes care of, we still have that. And the good thing is, is that Teshuvah takes care of damage for all Averot. What damage? Well, he says, Afilu rasha kol Even if a person was a wicked person, meaning they just didn't care. They just lived their lives very selfishly, only in terms of what they wanted and not in terms of relationship with God and, and faithfulness to the covenant and so on and so forth, which sends you with Rasha. Person's Rasha all of his days. And at the end, realize maybe it wasn't such a good idea to live my life that way. I think I'd like to repent. Right? I'd, like to, I'd like to fix that. So he's, if he does Teshuvah, in Mazkirin lo Shum Davar Merish'ol. Notice what Haram says. What's the atonement there? We don't talk to him about any bad thing that he did. Why not mention it? Does it rectify the actual damage in him? No. In the world? No. Does it rectify the fact that there is mitzvot being trampled? No. It only rectifies one thing. And that is, you no longer have a big mark on you that says, I was the agent of this thing. We don't talk to you about it anymore. There's no many of which is good, because it would be pretty annoying if they constantly mentioned it, right? But that's the atonement that's achieved with Teshuvah. Which is big, it's valuable, it's tremendously helpful, it certainly helps a person standing, right? In the whole... Uh, and then there's one other thing. What else is left, he says? The very day itself, right? The day itself of Yom Kippur provides atonement. What atonement does that provide? Well, it provides whatever actual damage or whatever kind of corruption or impurity the transgression incurred in you as the agent. Because it says, Ki bayom alechem. The continuation of the Pasuk is what? Who knows it? We say it a hundred times on Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Right? To purify you. Ki bayom alechem. Notice, bayom, not bayom, which is a huge difference. difference. Bayom means on this day. Right? In other words, on this date, atonement will... No, but it says, bayom. Bayom means behayom hazeh. With this day, the day itself will be a, a mechanism of atonement for you, to purify you from all of your missed marks. Yeah? Kapara. Very different. Than, this does not address how is my standing with God? How are we feeling with each other? What's the status of our relationship? That's this is not addressed here, right? That's addressed in the second parak in the in the Teshuvah that we were in the uh, halacha that we were reading, and the halacha that we're reading over here, right? 
He says, Yom Kivurim was man teshuvah l'akol. It's a time of teshuvah, which is good, right? Le'achid l'arabim, huketz mechila u'slicha l'israel. Yom Kippur is also the ultimate day in pardoning and forgiveness, which has to do with my standing with God. Not just what's occurred to me as a result of transgressing, but where is my standing with God? Right? Because remember, with the previous halakha that we just read, all you need to do on Yom Kippur to have kapara, right, to have atonement, is be alive. You need to go to synagogue? No. Need to be doing anything? No. You just need to be alive and interested in teshuvah, and the day that works its magic. That's all. But when it comes to the question of, but how am I doing with God? What's the nature of my relationship with Him? Has He has He forgiven me for transgressing? Right? Is He feeling distant or close to me, and so on and so forth? Well, that requires addressing. That requires some discussion, coming to the issue and saying, right, you know, I did something wrong, I thought maybe we should talk about it. And that's why we go to synagogue. That's why we engage in prayers, because of this part of Kippur. This part of Kippur, therefore, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes himself available on Yom Kippur for the pardoning and forgiveness, that essentially is a statement to us saying, well, I'm here. What say you? So what the Achamim say is, you have an obligation as a member of the people of Israel to respond to the fact that God is saying to you, I'm here. What say you? And therefore, everybody has to do Teshuvah. What's do Teshuvah? Everybody has to work on it, right? They have to work on returning. Attempt returns. And what else? There's our word. What Harambam is saying that uniquely on Kippur, because it is it is the ultimate time that pardon and forgiveness is provided for Israel. We have a requirement to engage in Teshubah and Litvadot to verbally articulate what it is we've done. Why? Why? Because if God is making himself available to pardoning us and dealing with the nature of our relationship, and we walk into that setting and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't miss any mark. I hit the bullseye. Well, then it doesn't look like we have much to talk about, do we? Because I'm saying you've missed the mark. And you're saying that you hit the bullseye. I'll see you later. Because what's going on in that situation is we're not sitting in the same reality as God, if that's how we come in. So the starting point, as a matter of fact, the only point of Yom Kippur is simply that. Can you acknowledge that you missed the mark? If you can acknowledge that you missed the mark, that our work is done here for today, I see that you're interested in a relationship. I recognize that you understand your standing. We'll deal with it. People make the mistake of thinking that Yom Kippur also has to address how I'm going to fix everything with God. 
and it is not. The only thing that we are expected to address on Yom Kippur is the reality of our situation. Can you acknowledge that you've done something to hurt me, so to speak? Can you acknowledge that you've done something that has disregarded me? I'm sure it wasn't malicious. You missed the mark. Can you recognize that your arrow is like way over there and that you've attempted to paint the bullseye around it when the bullseye is over there? Which is what rationalization is, isn't it? Because every time that we try to rationalize why it's okay that we did what we did, it's just painting a bullseye around the arrow that missed the mark. And what Akadosh Baruch is saying, my bullseye is over there. Your arrow is like over there. I don't know if you heard, but there was one year where I gave a, uh, Yom Kippur Gersha in my synagogue, and I used tennis as the analogy for this. And I smashed, uh, you know, online. We're talking about tennis on Yom Kippur. It was one of the strongest derashot I ever gave, because it was such a phenomenally beautiful analogy for the entire thing. But the, the point of the matter is that on Yom Kippur, all we're trying to do, which is everything, is to come and get real with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because how can you have a relationship if everything is going to be a lack of clarity and reality of what's actually happening in the relationship? And that's all. And that's why in the Vidui, notice, in this Vidui, in the Vidui of Yom Kippur, it's different. You'll see, depending on what... Uh, Edah you are, right? Which nusach you use, which nosach you use. So the, the the people who are influenced by Kabbalah have a a vidui that sounds like our early vidui, the first vidui in the first period, which misses a bit. It opens saying Anna Hashem, and that's not the point of this vidui. We're not necessarily asking for audience with God. He's there. That's what Yom Kippur is. Yom Kippur is set up for you to talk. You're not asking for God all of a sudden to pay attention to you. All you say, in our, so the Spanish Portuguese, for example, are not influenced by Kabbalah. They say simply, right? They say, our Lord, right? Please, you know, don't wipe us out. Hold on. Hold on. Right? Let our prayers come before you. Because we are not saying to you today, right? We're not saying to you today we are righteous and haven't missed the mark. What do we say? No, we've definitely missed the mark. Which is what aval means. Aval means for sure, right? Aval hatan. We've definitely missed the mark. And that's the whole point of notice we're not doing all that other stuff that's in the first video. Right? We're not saying please God. We're not saying we're not saying hatati aviti pashati. No, I'm just saying no, I recognized you had a bullseye. I I shot and missed over there. Could be that I really wasn't even paying attention. I wasn't interested in even in even doing it that day. So yeah, I mean I wasn't focused. So what does Harambam say over here? I want to skip down for a second. And see what he says. He says, On Kippur, obviously, is, this is uh, the wrong uh, girsa, the wrong girsa, the proper girsa is aval hatan. Two words. 
So if you look at the, not in the Vilna Rambam, you look at the, the Rambam, taken from Shriyai, Rambam, you see that that, it's two words. The crux of the whole day is to stand before God and on Kippur and say two words, Aval Hatan. We missed the mark. You can say that you missed the mark. We have what to talk about. Lovely. I love you. I'm glad. I'm glad you could see that. Enjoy dinner. It's, we're fine. I'm sure we'll find ways to deal with this. We'll carry on. I'm a forgiving God. I, I, I love you after all. I mean, we're in this to succeed, right? You know, so okay, as long as you recognize you missed the mark, you're crazy. You'll shoot again. You'll shoot again. You try it again. Not a problem. You didn't miss the mark? Well, there's not really much what to talk about. Now, being that that is the entirety of the day, right? It's very different than saying, you know, I'm never going to do this again. No, we're not saying we're never going to do it again. I don't know if I'm going to do it again. I'm not even full digital bag. I'm trying. I'm just not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend. I didn't do anything wrong. I did something wrong. Again, I'm working on it. Good. You're working on it. I'll work on it with you. How about that? Very good. <clears throat> so being that that is the crux of the day, and it is really all that we do, the halakha is that every time on Yom Kippur that we stand before God in prayer, and there are five times that we stand before God in prayer, we have a vidui. Because that's the whole point of the day, is to just be able to come clean. And say to God, uh, I get, I did it. I'm not the best. I totally realized. Therefore, mitzvat vidui yom kipurim sheyatchil me'erev hayom kodem sheyochal shem yachanek b'seoda. We'll look at that halacha in a minute. That line in a minute. And even though you did it before yom kipur, mitzvadeh belele yom kipurim alvit. You do it in alvit. Chozer mitzvadeh b'shachrit. And you do it again in shachrit. Memusaf u'beminha. You do it every time you stand in front of him on that day. And how many times do you stand in front of him on that day? Arvit, Shahrit, Minha, Musaf, Na'ila. Everyone, everyone. That's what we do on Yom Kippur. We talk to Kadosh Baruch Hu and we say, I'm not pretending today. Maybe the other days, I rationalize, I don't look at it, I don't pay attention. Not today. Today, I'm going to say before you, Akadosh I missed I missed the mark. Good, good, okay. I'm glad that you could see that. Wonderful. We've got we've dealt with it. And literally what the Sparadim say at the end of the Tibia is go enjoy dinner. It's literally what we say. Lichu ichlu simha what's the Rashon? No, all of a sudden I say it all the time and I forgot. Right? Go home and eat in great joy your bread. Drink your wine with a glad heart. always accept, already accepted everything. So, because of this urgency, however, let's turn that on. Because of the urgency, however, because it's it's the last time. That's why we talk about Ne'ilah. Ne'ilah is locking, right? Everything's closing. The shop is shutting. The windows are sh- everything. It's all shutting down. What does that mean? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not involved in our lives anymore? 
Of course he is. But to get him to be open to forgiveness and deal with, much more difficult. It takes much more work, at least for individuals. That's why Rambam makes a difference between the individuals and the people. He says, look, if you get a whole bunch of people together and they do it with a full heart, so then they can do that anytime. But, you know, good luck. Kippur is set up for this. It's a special time that's set up for this, conducive for it. And so it's urgent because it's passing. And for us, it's coming. So what did the Hachamim say? It was the craziest halacha of all time. You know what? Because Bidui is so important on Yom Kippur, it's the crux of the day, and without it, we really aren't doing anything, we should probably do Bidui before Yom Kippur even starts. And the reason for that is because we have dinner before it starts, and you might choke and die. So, you know, just in case. <laughs> just nuts. You know, and it's a little bit far-fetched. But it, we're so concerned about it that we might miss it. So look, it says, You start before the day starts. Before you eat the final meal before fasting. Why? Because you might choke in the meal and die. Before you had a chance to address God and your relationship. You don't want to die before addressing God in your relationship. But we have nothing like this, you understand. We don't say, you know, you may choke and die before Sukkot starts, right? Obviously, because we don't have a meal. I, I get it. I'm saying, I'm just pointing out, I'm, 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 you know, underlining the fact of the urgency of this, right? Also, what are the odds that a person, everybody will choke and die? One guy, so everybody's got to go and do the Bidui before. No, we never say that. We don't say, listen, you may not get to hear Shofar or Rosh Hashanah. You never know. You might be hit with a double-decker bus. Blow Shofar before Rosh Hashanah starts, just in case. This is the only time we have such a thing. Because it is a real addressal of our relationship with our Baruch that is really open and supple and capable of being addressed and changed. To miss such an opportunity is a huge miss. We don't want to miss it. And that's why we do it in every tefillah. If my mind wasn't about me in the morning, or I know, and I always spoke about it in the morning, but it's the afternoon and there's a development, and I just want you to know I'm still, I'm still intact. Do you hear this? Do you hear the whole nature of the day through this? So the value and importance of being of speaking it out is to find shared ground with HaKadosh Baruch on Yom Kippur. There's a beautiful pasuk which I'll, uh, I'll search. I'll bring for you to, to take it to take a look. Oh, I don't know how to make Hebrew here. How do you make? Oh, here, here. It's all Hebrew. Oh, oh, this one, this thing. I have a Mac, Jeff. 
What end? There's no end. <laughs> oh, this. Bear with me, bear with me. I'm going to show it to you and you think like I'm nuts because who cares? It's not going to be exciting anymore. Why don't we, who's, 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 put Hebrew on the thing! Gosh, I have a keyboard without Hebrew. You like it, huh? <laughs> So there's this beautiful pasuk in Yirmiyahu. And you say, Vatomriki niketi, achshava pomimeni. Yirmiyahu is saying, what do you mean? I'm clean. Yirmiyahu is saying to people, you say I'm clean and he's still angry at me. Right? Hineni nishpaz otach alomrech lo hatati. I'm in judgment with you, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because you said lo hatati. Because you say, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't miss the mark. Malbim has a beautiful reading of that pasuk. It says nishpat. It should be hineni shofet otach. I'm judging you, but it's not. I'm in judgment with you, right? Nishpat. I'm engaged in this judgment. It's reflexive. The Malbim is saying that Kadosh Baruch Hu says to them, "I'm being judged. You're angry that that I'm angry at you, right? I'm being judged because you said you didn't do anything wrong. So you think that I'm doing things that are out of the out of off the mark." The opposite of vidui is this. They're saying lo We do not do that on Yom Kippur. And that is the whole crux of the day. In other words, on Yom Kippur, what we are saying to Kadosh Baruch Hu is, we're not, we're not playing games. I have no idea how I'm going to fix it. I don't know why I did it. I try to stop. It doesn't help me. But I'm not going to rationalize it today. I care about our relationship and because I care about our relationship, I'm going to say to you, yes, this is what I've done. The more that I can do that, obviously, the better. But that is all for all intents and purposes of Kadosh Baruch who's looking at, in terms, again, in terms of our Mesorah, in terms of how the Hachamim teach us, uh, what we understand about the day of Yom Kippur, all that Kadosh Baruch who is looking for in Yom Kippur is, can you see the reality that I see? about you. And if you don't see it, and if you can't recognize it, well, I understand, but we really don't have anything to talk about. If you can see it, and you do recognize it, well, then we're living in the same reality, and we can build on that. And we have a whole year to work on things, and address, and so on and so forth, but you need to be able to say before Kadosh Baruch Now, it's true that as we grow and as the years pass, we become clearer and clearer on things in our lives. And so we come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu being able to say things that we weren't able to say last year or the year before. And the things that we did say last year and the year before, we'll say again this year. Even if they're completely done. Why? It's part of who I am. It's not a problem anymore, thank goodness. But I absolutely recognize that that's how I started. It's all a question of getting real. 
of being rooted in the nature of what is true. And that's the essence of Kippur. With what? With regards to Mechilan Sikha. regards to my relationship with Akadosh Baruch. And of course, is it not true that every real and important relationship is based on that one fundamental beginning? Can you see what I see? If you can't see what the person you wish to have a close relationship with, whoever that person may be, can't see what they see, then the first step in the direction of connection is not there. And people try to build relationships without that first step all the time. And there's a, a, a great deal of rationalization that goes on and excuses and so on and so forth. And most of that is because we're too afraid to come clean. And this is what I want to end with today, which I don't usually, I haven't usually said this in the shulim that I've done. I've been very technical about them, but I think it's an important component to remember. Why do we rationalize? Why do we keep from allowing ourselves to look at the fact that I've missed the mark? Because it is vulnerable and unstable and dangerous and scary and it incurs a great deal of fear. Because if I miss the mark, what does it say about me? And I keep missing the mark, actually. Maybe I don't like this game anymore. Or maybe I want to change the distance from which I'm shooting. That's one of the reasons why the tennis analogy is very, very good, because it, it allows for many different components. Right? I mean, what is tennis except for trying to hit the ball within the bounds of the court? That's all it is. So you got to get like Hawkeye, you know, to come in and check, you know, are you on the line or not? And that's like halakha, right? Am I, am I in bounds or am I out of bounds? And if you're really serious about it, you go and watch the video and you're playing and you check to see how it is that you can get better and what solutions you need for the problems that present you when you play Rafa on clay, right? You just try to pass the guy. What do you do? But the reason why we do not come to terms with the fact that we are not playing within bounds or to the best of our ability is because it says something about us. And we don't want to have to say that I have missed or I'm wrong or I've made the mistake because we fear deep down that that will invalidate us. And so, ironically, we create these very thick barriers around our own personal invalidation that we shouldn't have to say that, which makes things worse. It works counterproductively with us, interestingly enough. The beautiful thing about Yom Kippur, and this is so important, and I cannot stress this enough, and those who fail to convey this element of Yom Kippur to the people are utterly failing the people and Yom Kippur, and for that matter, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how strong it is. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, by saying, you speak to me about these things on Yom Kippur, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying, you're safe with me. 
you can tell me. It may be uncomfortable for a while, and there may be things that we have to address that are not going to feel great. But I will take you through. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to us. You say, say to me the truth, and I will take you through. If you cannot say to me the truth, I can't help you. Because we're not in the same reality. But I am saying to you what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us is, if you can stand with courage before me and admit to me that you have missed the mark, I will hold you. That's what this day is for. That's what I set the day for, for you. That's what's important to understand. I didn't set this day up as a trap to get you. I set this day up as a facilitator for your life so that I could help you. But if you do not stand in reality with me, I can't help you. You hear that? That's the whole idea. And that's why the Dui is so important. Because if I can't bring myself to the Dui appropriately, I can't bring myself to God. And I can't bring myself to God. He will not barge into my life. There's a nice uh, line that people say about God. God is a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not invited. And it is true. Gadosh Baruch is not going to push into your life if you insist on keeping him out. He may knock at your door, you know, throw some pebbles at your window over and over again, maybe throw some rocks through your window every now and then. But if the response is regularly, I'm not looking, then the response of Gadosh Baruch is, well, I see, but I can't look at what it is that you're seeing because it's not in my eye. It's not in my eye. Yeah. So it's a beautiful day. Like the Hachamim say, Lo hayu yamim tovim There's no day that's as great as Yom Kippur for us. It's an unbelievable day. And the truth of the matter is, initially, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wasn't interested in it. We really do have Moshe Rabbeinu to thank for Yom Kippur, according to the Torah. He negotiated the day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was ready to just wipe everybody, <laughs> wipe everybody cancel everyone. And instead, Moshe Rabbeinu said, let's not go there. Let's try this. And I go, well, fine. okay, good. That's what I'll, I'll do. And once HaKadosh Baruch Hu commits to something, you can take it to the bank. And that's what this day is. It's a beautiful day. So we're looking forward to it tomorrow. And may it be a day of truth, coming to terms with reality, and be doing, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, listening and hearing, embracing us in that ability for us to stand in that and ultimately tell us to enjoy dinner and carry on with the year. We're going to stop the share. I have a possible screen on would be okay. You said that there is no word for sin in Ivrit. And I didn't say that. I said I don't like the word sin. And that hurt means missing correct. I did say that. And that the notion of sin may be a Christian concept. I'm saying that sin is a Christian word. It's used. It has a Christian connotation to it, is what I'm saying. But doesn't saying hate missing a mark sort of underscore the severity of an Avera? I'm not sure what you mean by that, though. How it underscores the severity. It is. That's what Avera is. Is a crossing, it's transgressing. 
right? You've crossed the boundary, let us say. The guy's committing adultery. He needs to know it is indeed a terrible sin. It is not just that he's missing the mark. All of that all depends. It all depends. I mean, uh, we can talk about the severity of Averot, but the Chachamim tell us that we really don't recognize the severity of Averot. There are such things as Averot, Hamurot, there's very severe ones, and less ones, and so on and so forth. And all of that has to do with the damage that those things incur. But remember that there are always contextual realities to an Averot. What did the person know? What are the traumas that a person is coming from in his life that causes him to do these things, or that influences him to do these things? What is the nature of the person's marriage? So on and so forth. There's all kinds of components that come in. That's why Harambam says, nobody knows how to judge these things except for the adult. Should that person recognize that it's a severe avera? Absolutely. But on Yom Kippur, what we're mainly looking at is the fact that there was a bullseye, you missed it, can you acknowledge that you missed it? Everything else is left to deal to be dealt with. It doesn't mean that there's nothing else to deal with. It means that on Kippur, that's the component that has to be dealt with. If you cannot acknowledge that, and you're going to make excuses for everything, well, then there's nothing to talk about. The fact that it was adultery, good. Are you going to sit and make excuses for the whole thing? Are you going to acknowledge that you committed adultery? You come out, good. You acknowledge it. Thank you. We can deal with that now, all of the other things, and what you need to do, and how many lashes you need, and so on and so forth. But that's not the essence of Kippur. The essence of Kippur is, can you admit that you did this thing wrong? If you cannot admit that you did this thing wrong, then we have nothing to talk about. You can make what admit, good, hatat, good, wonderful, You're, you have mehila uh, seha, uh, and we'll, we'll deal with how it is that you have to address that, the kapara for that thing later. That's, that's the whole essence of the entire thing. But what you must recognize is that there are many components to a person's transgressions in his life. It affects a whole number of things. I'm saying what we look at on Kippur specifically. If you think that on Yom Kippur, you walk into Yom Kippur and you sweep up the entire issue that you have with your life and, and your transgressions and you walk out of there like everything is nice with a little bow on top, you got, that's a, you're, in the wrong, you're in the wrong mindset. There's a lot that's addressed on Kippur. But the main thing that's addressed with regards to your relationship with God is the relationship. The relationship that was damaged as a result of the Abirah. I hope you hear that and understand it. Why do Sephardim not do Yisqor on Yom Kippur? Because we never had them in Had to do it. It's not something that we... It's not in the Gemara. It's not in the Hachamim, in the Rishonim. It's something that was a much later development that the Svaradim did not develop because of the nature of our history and what we experienced. Alrighty, that's it. What do we have in here? Any questions in the room? Yeah. Let's say Right. Mm-hmm. You got to be real about it. Yes. Yes. It's not sufficient to deal with the sin. It's sufficient on Yom Kippur to address your relationship with Akadosh Baruch. You understand? The sin is still a big problem in your life. That's it. But this day, on terms of how Akadosh relates to you, 
Do you recognize him? Do you, does he see you? Are you living in the same reality? That needs to be addressed. And if you say that, yeah, listen, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. I want to not do it again, right? Because if you stand for an Baruch and say, you know something, I know I'm going to do it, and I don't care. How about that? Well, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea, right? Your desire is not to be engaging in the Avirah. You recognize that you have serious compulsion towards it or whatever it is. Okay, so you have to go to a 12-step program or whatever the case, <laughs> case may be. Yeah. yeah. So basically you're saying help people You mean in Israel? Yeah. yeah. How can you help someone if they listen to a promissory That's a very good question. A very good question. I love that question. The question was, in the days that there was capital punishment and a person could be put to death, how could a person be put to death if they acknowledge Yom Kippur that they missed the mark? Right? That's your question? Yeah. What is it? They wouldn't have an opportunity. Ah, oh, you're saying a different question. I thought you were saying... Right. So if you're saying that they wouldn't have gotten to Yom Kippur, that's right. They, they missed it. They missed the opportunity because the severity of their avira took away the opportunity that they were given to do. My question, which I thought you were asking, was right: if a person goes through Kippur, let's say a person was mehalil Shabbat b'mezid, and they were tried and convicted, which is the rarest of things, but let's say that happened, right? Let me push off a cliff. Yeah. And Kippur comes first. Oh, is that your question? Okay, so that, that's your question. Kippur comes first, yeah. So now they went through Yom Kippur and they said that Kadosh Baruch and they made full Teshuvah. Well, let's say they even did that. Well, I've been saying they did full Teshuvah on Kippur. But let's say, they're, they're going to throw them on the cliff. Yes, because the cliff is Kaparan. It's not Mehayas Techah. And once you have a requirement of Kaparan, it's been established by Beit Din that you require that kind of Kaparan. And for that matter, the, the head requires that kapara, that has to be taken care of. That's a completely different issue. To give you an example, right? Again, a very, 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 very basic example. I put uh, my hand through a window. That's not my window. Somebody else's window. Sinner's window. What do I have to do to rectify that situation? Two things. One is what? You tell me, what do I have to do to rectify that situation? I broke Sinner's window. What do I need to do? Well, he doesn't care that I saw he's, He knows I did it. He watched me do it outside in front of the car. Well, that's true. That's one level of kapara. That's personal kapara. But what else has to be fixed? What else has to be fixed? A window. Because a window is not at one, right? It needs at one minute. It needs to be made whole again. But what else needs to be done if I want to talk to Sinai again? So what do I have to do? Which I do want to talk to Sinai. I want to apologize to him. I have to ask him, say, Sinai, I'm so sorry about your window. I really, I made a mistake. I didn't realize you. You told me not to play ball by your car. And I did anyway. And I, I broke the window. So it's very possible, right, that I could ask forgiveness for the window and that be taken care of. But it requires me to fix the window and I don't have money for that. I'm going to have to figure out how to do that. Two different things. 
The death of, a, of an Averat, if it requires death, is Kapara. It's not Mehela Hustafa. You could do the opposite too. That was a person could have kapara and not have addressed the mehilan slicha component, which is an issue. You follow? More or less. I know it's not in what, the way that you're used to usually thinking of it, but this is the halacha. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. How can God change from all this? He's not changing. He's not changing. There, what, however it is that we deal with this concept of judgment or hashgaha or whatever it is, right? we don't know necessarily the components of how it is that that happens. It's a paradox. Paradoxes don't end our realities. Yes? Right? So if you want to say that it's a matter of how it is that God created the world. So in the same way that winter and summer happens. Right? Summer is better for swimming than winter. Why? Because it's more available. Because the earth is in greater proximity to the sun, depending on which hemisphere of the earth you're in. Right, so maybe Akadosh Baruch Hu created situations in which these things come around at times. Right? There is a cycle of situations by us, right? And how our world runs that either engages with Akadosh Baruch Hu in that way, yeah, or that we create it. In other words, the, we've established that this is the way that we run in our timetable. There are several ways one could look at it. Either way, your question is a question for all things. It's not a Yom Kippur question. Your question is a question for the entire interface of God with human life. Do you understand that? Okay, so that's it. Everything. Prayer, judgment, mercy, clemency, forgiveness. The whole thing is a question Is the question that you're asking. And that's a broader thing. And we can have a shiur on that. But that... Uh, it always will include paradox. All of it is established by Chazal. The day of Kippur is not established by the Torah. In other words, the day itself is not established in Torah. Is it or not? Okay, what, what, what component of the day is established in Torah? Right? So what does that mean? The, the day somehow is going to achieve Kapara for what? By whom? In what capacity? It always, you, you cannot get through Torah without HaKadosh Baruch Hu having interface with human beings. The whole of Torah is the interface of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with human beings or vice versa. So you can explain that in any number of ways, right? In other words, you can say, like Harambam says, that it's like fire. Fire is fire is fire is fire. You put it to this thing and it affects it this way. You put it to that thing and it affects it that way. You put it, you put, right, okay, but fire. So that's how he explains HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh like that, except that he's conscious, whatever that means. He just throws wrenches into the entire thing. Right? Okay. So there are always going to be paradox when you deal with God. Look, it's important to understand that the question that you're asking is a question that has a deeper or, or more uh, uh, preceding question. And that question is, you shouldn't be here, Jack. Nor should anything else. If God is what we say God is. Because how did he create? Did he change? Was there some kind of room created within the all that is him? Him, of course, being a borrowed term because he has no genitalia. Are you real? I don't know. Is that not a valid question based on your question? 
Is it not the same line of questioning? So aren't you a paradox? If God is, and you are, so either he's not, or you're not, or both, or... Correct? So if we accept our reality as we do, right, the Jewish thought of things, in which we accept God, and we accept you, which is good news for you, Jack, right? The reality of you and God is a paradox. And it is a paradox that we accept and embrace. Because if you believe yourself to be uh, fake, not a reality, well then that's something that you have to deal with. But if you recognize yourself to be a reality, but you also recognize yourself not to be the primal reality, the first entity, the source of all things, you recognize that it must be that. I don't know how to get from that. Nobody does. It just is. You hear? Right. So the difficulty that people have with that in the West is that they need everything to be logically thorough. The beauty of the East is that they are okay with paradox. They manage with both ends. They don't need everything to be either or. And so to better understand that without thinking that it's just an explaining way of things, it's important to read Eastern thought because it helps to be able to become more familiar with how the Hachem thought it's going. Good. With that, we will call it a night or day or a day or wherever you are. I don't think a day. Well, it's maybe. And I wish everyone a Hatimatova. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you.